Hello listeners, this is Lee Price. This is Will Ford from Football365. And you're listening, smartly, to At, At The, the Bridge, Bridge Pod, Pod, a Chelsea, Chelsea FC podcast. podcast, although I would describe it as THE Chelsea FC Podcast. What's up everyone, you're listening to At The Bridge Pod, a Chelsea FC Podcast, your number one source for all things Chelsea. In this episode, I'm joined by former Chelsea player and winner of Football Icon, Carl Magne. We discuss his time with the Blues, winning Football Icon and the real impact of injury recovery. Welcome back everyone to another episode of At The Bridge Pod. And today, listeners, I have the great pleasure in being joined by a, a former Chelsea player. Um, he, he won the second series of Sky One's iconic talent show, Football Icon. And he's a National League North champion. It's Carl Magnet. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Uh, it's a pleasure. Anything Chelsea related, uh, I'm up for it. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to a chat. Right. I- I've got to say, you you have one incredible right foot on you. I mean, out of your 40-yard <laughs> strike against Chester <laughs> Gateshead. Yeah, you know where this is going. And yeah. you're one against Barrow for Hartlepool, which is mm. the one that you're most proud of. Oh, the the one for Gate said without a doubt. The the, the shame is um, that that wasn't on BT Sport because the Hartlepool one was was live on BT Sport, so they had a couple of angles of it. I always uh, wish there was an angle of the one I hit for Gate said it was um, it was a once in a lifetime strike. The one at Hartlepool was uh, was quite embarrassing actually. That's why uh, me me celebration was quite muted. I didn't hit it as as hard as I wanted to. I tried to hit it with that. I was trying to get down with the kids and hit it with that wobble technique. Um, but my old knee didn't allow us to hit it with any pace. So it just sort of floated um, and just kept going in the, in the goalkeeper. I don't know whether he was he was fearful of uh, smashing into the post or what, but it just crept in the far corner. And the camera turns to us and I have quite a, uh, quite a muted celebration. I just turn to my teammate and say, oh, I'll keep us out of beast there or something along those lines. Anyway, so... <laughs> Yeah, definitely the chest, that one. With, with the gate said one, did that goal earn you many uh, free drinks at the Cog and Wheel? <laughs> yeah, well, if I didn't have uh, any free drinks now, uh, then, I, I certainly do now after the promotion we've just had. So, um, yeah, I've, I, honestly, I've, since the season's ended, it's um, it's been quite hard to stay sober, if I'm honest. But, uh, yeah, it. It's still talked about now, you know, especially having gone back there as a player um, towards the latter stages of my career now uh, in terms of playing. Um, yeah, everyone still refers to that, that Chester goal. Oh, it's, it's They're both two beautiful strikes. Uh, right, you, you were the winner of the second series of Football Icon, but before you won the show, it wasn't your first taste of football. You were at the Leeds Academy, and, and sadly that, that did end in an early release. How did that release that moment shape you as a person and a player? Yeah, it's huge. It's, you know, I've, I've, I've seen something over social media the last couple of days where, um, I don't know if you've seen the Jed Spence situation where he's sort of had a pop back at Warnock on, on, on social media about uh, the fact that he let him go from Middlesbrough or told him he wasn't good enough or whatever. Mm. And, um, you know, I, I always think it just gives you motivation. You've always got to try and stay classy and take the criticism in, in the best possible way and use it 
as a tool going forward. I honestly believe that I wouldn't be, um, you know, the character that I am and the player that I was at that time, um, you know, when I arrived at Chelsea, uh, had I have not suffered that rejection. Uh, was it harsh? Possibly. Um, you know, the Leeds was going through administration at the time, a lot of financial bother. So there wasn't many of us um, who were given scholarships who maybe otherwise would have been under normal circumstances. But nevertheless, you know, they obviously didn't feel like I was good enough at that at that moment in time. And, um, and, and it depends on your character. You know, you've got a you've got two ways of going, you know, you either let it, let it eat you up and you, and you fall away from the game or you use it as motivation and you want to prove people wrong. And, and, and I think, you know, in the job I do now for Chelsea as a scout, you know, I always like players who have had rejection and who have suffered and gone through that because I always think they're stronger characters and, and they don't want to go through that again, I suppose. I mean, do you feel there there is enough support for academy players to prepare for a life outside of football if they don't make that step up? And how would you change that preparation to benefit the ones who don't make it? At that time, how old am I now? 33. You know, you're probably looking 17, 18 years ago that happened to me. And, um, and although Leeds, you know, the Leeds were... A, a big club at the time. There was there was nothing really in place. I was in the academy, and then within you know a couple of weeks, I was um, back in grassroots football, and and that can be tough for for a lot of young players to deal with going from that environment, uh, that top class environment, um, you know, back into into a situation where you you know jumpers for goalposts more. Um, you know, pretty much. So I think now it's, it's a lot better. Um, you know, I think Crystal Palace are leading the way with it. I think you've seen that in the media not long ago, um, you know, putting a, a proper structure in place for when players leave clubs. I think particularly for the older players as well, you know, lads who are leaving pro contracts, really important to try and just out at liaise with clubs across the levels, see where you can place the player, just do everything you can to, Get him in a football environment or in an environment where you know he can he can thrive. Um, we do it really well at Chelsea. You know the aftercare is superb. Uh, I had great aftercare when I left the club at, at 22. You know even so, um, yeah. At that time, not so much. But I have to say now across across most of the Prem clubs anyway, and the Cat One clubs, um, yeah, that aftercare is is there and it's improving all the time. Yeah, I mean, it's so it's something I've taken interest in because obviously as a big NFL fan, how they work is they like the players to have a certain level of education with a diploma within their college and graduation. So if they mm-hmm. don't make it after, because so, it can obviously be a short career, they've uh-huh. still got some way to make a living and have an actual career outside of sport, which is always crucial to see as well. Um now, football icon, it's such an iconic show for me growing up. I mean, Sky One, truly at its peak then. It had Simpsons Dream Team. Uh, <laughs> I miss Dream Team so much. I really do. Yeah, to, to be fair, I was a big fan of that. Oh, what an I, I mean, the storylines were ridiculous. They, they were just ridiculous. But, hey, it wouldn't happen for real, let's be honest. But 
my my co-host Chris, he wanted to know if after you won that competition, did you feel you were maybe treated differently or looked upon different in the academy due to the unconventional way you got there, or was it pretty this guy's one of us? I it's it's a really good question uh, because. I, I certainly felt like that. I felt like I was being treated a little bit different by uh, the players. Um, not so much by the, the coaches. You know, my the coaches were fantastic, and um, particularly uh, when I when I moved under uh, Brendan Rodgers and the reserves, um, he he really gave me the confidence to believe that I had the right to be there. Mm. Um, because whilst winning football icon you know it was a six-month contract uh initially and that's all it was it was january till the end of the season and i think that was obviously that came with the show but then beyond that they're a, they're a, they're a top world-class football club you know they're not just gonna take lads for sentimentality or whatever um but when i first went in whether it was maybe my emotions being heightened to it or what but I certainly felt like um, I'd almost cheated or I'd got in through the back door, do you know what I mean? Because these boys were coming in hand-picked from all over Europe. I walked into the dressing room and, you know, you had internationals all over the place. And I was uh, I was Carl Magnier from, from Gateshead who'd won a TV programme. It was a difficult dynamic originally to get used to but luckily for me I had um I had two lads there that I knew really well from Leeds Tom Tywo and uh, and Michael Woods and they were they were crucial in in bedding us in and and helping us gain that respect because ultimately it came through performance and in how I how I did in training you know that's how you gain the respect of your teammates um above anything else but Michael and, and Tom were were really good off the pitch at, at integrating us and making us feel a part of it. But there was there was a period of, a, of at least sort of two three months where I felt a little bit out of place and mm. and I could sense it from from some of the other lads you know I, who I ended up being best mates with by the way. But Sam Hutchinson was just like a mini John Terry. <laughs> he, he he just used to proper rule the. The 18s uh, at the time, and and, and he was a uh, he he was a tough character to get past, and again, probably something that I needed. You know, you need that one to sort of drive standards and demand off you. And, and Hutch was one of those. And eventually, you know, I ended up becoming great mates with him. Uh, went to his wedding and all the rest of it. And it was yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting dynamic when I first went in. Yeah, I, I mean, Sam's actually a particular player. I've, I've kept an eye on because I always remember he was on the open top bus when we won the Champions League in 2012. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether he got a medal. I don't know if he did, but it was he's, he had such bad luck as well with his injuries and he had such high high talent and high potential. And it's always a shame when that, that ceiling, he, they never potentially get to that that level because of on bad luck with injuries. And it can happen at any time. You obviously know this yourself, which we will touch on. Um you mentioned, obviously, Brendan Rodgers. Now, during Football Icon, there was a day when he told you you'd be training with the first team and mm-hmm. you got to be up close and train alongside the likes of Damien Duff, Didier Drogba, Joe Cold, many other names. I mean, which players did you notice had just a natural talent about them? Uh, well, Cole, Coley was the best 
trainer without a doubt um mm-hmm. he he was unbelievable in training um and 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 he was probably the one that I noticed the most because in, in all the drills I got put one v one against him which I didn't thank um thank Mourinho or whoever it was I took the session at the time I can't remember um but yeah he, he was just incredible uh, Joe I think he again because of his injuries possibly came out of his career slightly underrated um I thought he was yeah, I thought he was unbelievable but that was that experience was just crazy because I was still only a kid you know there was I think it was more for the for the cameras than anything but I'd obviously shown enough to go in and cope with the session um because there was lads at Chelsea I was I'd have been 16 17 at the time there was like sort of pro lads at Chelsea who hadn't had the opportunity of of training with the first team at this stage so this is these are part of the reasons why I felt a little bit awkward about you know what was going on but obviously Sky One had a had a program to run and and uh, me going over with the first team was obviously going to and be really appealing to the viewers and um I just couldn't believe it you know a couple of months ago I was sat in sixth form doing media studies uh and then all of a sudden I'm I'm uh, I'm in, on a training pitch with with Didier Drogba and uh, and Joe Cole and like you see all all the different names um but I think I, the, the emotions were, were were going through was so much. The adrenaline was just so so mental that uh, I can't really remember specific players in the session. There's only Coley that I can remember really because I was directly in in competition with him in that session. Um, everything else is just a blur, if I'm honest, mate. Mm. Um, I mean, you've got obviously I've I've seen it online that you're you've got a photo you're so proud of on your wall of when you were one on one with Joe Cole. Yeah, is is that definitely one of your most proud memories from from your time? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, as a as a player, we 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 done well in the reserve league. You know, we 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 won the uh, the reserve league and cup, so that that was a nice moment. Um, yeah, but I think whenever you whenever I got asked to train with the first team, it was always it was always special. You know, it was always a chance to test yourself, and it was. Yeah. If I'm honest, it was really the 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 times. It was it was bittersweet, really. So exciting to be involved and to interact with these world class players, see how they work at close quarters. But it was also like a bit of a sobering moment for me because I just I used to come away from the sessions sometimes and think, yeah, that that's that level is just is is a stretch too far for me. Mm. It's it's too elite, you know. I was sort of surviving in the sessions as opposed to being able to have a real impact in them yeah um but it was it was all part of my education and learning curve and yeah so whenever i was i was put in that group um it was a proud moment but to be honest mate you know when i look back the whole five years i spent at chelsea was when i look back now was is just a real pride uh every every moment i i drove into the training ground as a chelsea player i, I just um absolutely loved every minute of it and i had me disappointments with the injuries but um yeah it was just an absolute pleasure to be a part of that club as a player i mean while staying in the icon mansion i mean you jack Steele, and cookie got the captain suite for a bit and the pool table <laughs> I, I it was fiercely contested by everyone in that mansion 
Who was the <laughs> one person that you personally hated going head to head with on that table? <laughs> In the pool table. <laughs> to be fair, uh, Birdie Tom Bird was a was a good pool player, and uh, um, and he was cocky with it as well. You know, he had that he had a southern swagger about him. So. Um, <laughs> I Birdie, who he now works in the academy as a as a coach uh, at Chelsea, and uh, we still keep in touch today, which is nice. Uh, I see him see him now and then down at Cobham. Um, yeah, but but Birdie was was decent on the table. But that that captain suite was something else, by the way. That that house, I don't I don't even think it's there anymore. I think they've knocked it down. But um, yeah, that captain suite was was hotly contested for every week, and uh, I was quite fortunate. I was in there quite. A bit because I made sure that I just made best mates with everyone, so that if I didn't win the opportunity to be in the the uh, the captain suite, someone would would choose me as one of their mates to take us up. Yeah. And I was uh, I was quite good at that. I, I remember I remember a few times you'd have like surprise visits from like Eddie Newton and. <laughs> yeah, they weren't always good surprises. By the way. <laughs> how, uh, how so? Well, I I remember one day, um, because it was quite. In your downtime, you know, you've got, well, initially there was 14 of us went in there. Uh, so you've got 14, 16, 17-year-olds finishing training, you know, mid-afternoon. Um, and if the production crew hadn't arranged something for us to do, there were, there were days where you would just have downtime. So everyone's sort of itching, twiddling their thumbs, thinking about what, what can we do. So we, we were just off Isha High Street. Um and, and the main bulk of the crew walked up to Isha High Street. So me and another lad, I can't remember who, but we, we sort of lagged behind. They've Because there was talk of going into the boogies, now that was a big no-no. And um, I think we were underage as well, obviously. And uh, there was a coral across the, the street. And we've sort of hung back, and it was the best decision I ever made because they've all piled into this boogies. And Jamie Redknapp, by chance, oh, yes. has just come up the street. There's a there's a there's a big Range Rover comes comes up the street, parks up on the curb on double yellow lines. He just sees the back end of the lads going into the boogies, and uh, he jumps out of the car, gets in, marches all of them out. Oh wow! He says, "Get yourself back to the mansion." So um, we pelted back down. Me and this other lad. Uh, <laughs> You know, running the houses if it's now to do with us. And then later that night, Eddie came round and uh, read the riot act, like you know. And it was one of them moments, you know, when you're in school and someone else is getting wrong, and you're <laughs> just like buzzing watching it. Yeah, you look away and you're laughing to yourself. You're like, oh, not me, not me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, on on a previous episode of our show, we did a a deep dive into Achilles surgery and recovery after Loftus Cheek and Callum Hudson Odoi suffered those just horrific injuries and um, it was so interesting from our point of view to learn about that side of the sport off the field from our research and our discussion now sadly you did suffer an horrific injury against Cholton resulting in damage to your anterior cruciate ligament medial collateral ligament and a cracked kneecap now that list is scary I mean Mm. I can't even imagine the pain there Uh, what what part of the recovery process did you find the toughest and what element do you think fans don't truly understand about injury recovery in the game? The toughest part was um, the, the the hope. So you, you get to the point where 
you want to get back out on the grass. Mm. Um, you know, Eva Canero, who was looking after us at the time, was was brilliant. But I used to, we we we, we like had a brother sister relationship where we used to scrap all the time about. You know, I'd be begging her to let me out on the grass, and she would, you know be all cautious and say, no, no, not yet, not yet. So that's the toughest bit when you're ready, you feel you're ready to go, but you get, you're getting held back because you've been out for so long. Um, and then of course that it, depending on your injury, mine was, mine was a really bad. And, um, you know, I had to go back in for further surgery and that was, that was really tough because, you know, you think you're over that and you, and you, and you're looking forward to getting back on the grass. But as soon as I got back on the grass, I just felt uh, niggling away in the back of my knee and I had to go in and, and get some meniscus tidied up. So that set me back another four months. Um, so, yeah, it's the it's the hope and the anticipation of getting back and then, you know, having to deal with with setbacks through your rehab. Um the, the the work that comes with it, you know, you're used to it as a professional, you know, when you go into the gym, whether you're fit or injured, it's hard work, you know, obviously when, when you're injured, it's every day and it, it can be repetitive and a bit mind numbing, but, you know, it's it's all physical work, which is, is something we're used to. Um, but yeah, the, the, the tough parts, that, yeah, the, those are probably the tough elements that, that um that fans maybe don't see is 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 also how isolating it can be. Um, you know, it's a quiet place, the training ground, when all the players are out training. Um, and the physios who were incredible, Steve Hughes now, who's first team physio who worked with me at the time very closely, you know, you're with them day in, day out, and they do their best to challenge your mind and um keep things lighthearted but you know I just felt when training started the place was empty and I felt on my own and then of course uh, once the lads finish training they have their lunch and they're off whereas injured players we have double sessions so we go deep into the afternoons mm. I wouldn't leave the training ground till five o'clock some days and by that point you, you know after two o'clock apart from a couple of the lads that used to stay on and do a bit extra you know, I used to see Lampard all the time down in the hydrotherapy area where I would be doing pool sessions. Mm. Um, he would always be a one that I remember would stick around. Um, Yossi Benayoun had done his Achilles and I, and I became really close to Yossi because we had similar time periods out. Um, but yeah, it's the isolation and the loneliness that fans maybe don't appreciate. Uh, and that's why a lot of players struggle mentally with them, particularly the long-term injuries. Yeah, I, I can truly, genuinely imagine. I mean, it's obviously it's not even on the level of what you suffered. But recently, I had a shoulder injury in the gym, and it meant that I couldn't do any lifting for about roughly two weeks. And for me, something so small as that, it really did affect me because I, I was like, I want to do these lifts, and I know I can't when will I be able to? And I was just itching to get back. And that's what I found was the hardest because I thought if I if I go back too quick, I could cause a further injury and make it worse and I'll be out for longer and I won't yeah. be doing what I enjoy. And it, it did really affect me because it was just cardio, cardio every day. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, it's fun, but it was like, I want to do my lifts. I want to, you know, improve my, my, my lifts and my muscle and 
yeah, it, I can imagine that isolation for certain on for you as well, because I think as we've got into the, the modern with video games, I think people just see it as this player is going to return on this date and they're back and they're normal. And it's like they before they're injured when it's not a video game. You know, it's as simple as that. And I feel that unfortunately that sort of clouded the the judgment on it. I think with maybe younger generations don't understand that yet, which is, you know, it's no fault of their own. But I feel that that has contributed to that. Uh, that well, yeah. it, 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 that's another thing. It's depending on the injury. It's then how you cope with the injury mm. once you're back playing. And, uh, and unfortunately, mine was, was, uh, was such a bad one. That it's um, it's it's bothered me from from that day on, um, and mm. and I'm actually pretty pleased and, and proud that I was able to to carve out some sort of career. Um, you know, I've been a I was a full time pro for 13 years, um, and I was even albeit in, in the lower levels, um, was still was still really pleased that I was able to earn a living out of the game, um, because of you know, the nature of the injury, it was, it was something that I thought, you know, I would probably never recover from. So. Yeah. I mean, it's that, I remember Ronaldo, the original Brazilian, when he came back from his first, I think it was a ruptured tendon in his knee, the first injury. And then he only got six minutes on his return and his other knee just ruptured. And it's, ah, oh, that it's just scary because then you think I'm going to go through all that. And, what a comeback he had. I mean, went on Ballon d'Or and everything. But wow. Uh, it's just strange that one because you know, when I did me when I did me cruciate for the first time, the, the surgeon came in and obviously you get really well looked after and in in this he was a top surgeon. He's come in and he's gone uh, uh, after the surgery, he's gone, but by the way, you do know that uh, there's a seventy percent chance that you're gonna do your other cruciate at some point. Mm. I went, Oh, cheers, mate. Like I <laughs> I just what I yeah. need at this point. Uh, it, but but it it was right. Like I, I did my left cruciate in 2016 when I was playing for Hartlepool. Nowhere near as bad. The force that went through the injury was nowhere near as bad as my right one, and I recovered mm. really well from that. But I, it's it's funny that they they say that. Um, but that apparently, yeah, he was a top surgeon. He said there's a 70 percent chance that you'll kill the other one. Wow. So um, and he was right, unfortunately. Quite quite scared. I mean. We've seen how a change in diet has helped players such as Chris Smalling and Chloe Arthur recover quicker from injury. I mean, how has your diet evolved over the years from when you first started as a youth player to the present day? Oh, well, it was... I, I had no clue how to look after myself in terms of food uh, before I arrived at, uh, at Cobham. And then, obviously, we had... Uh, top nutritionists at the club and at the time uh, Nick Broad, uh, God bless him, who, who, who went to uh, PSG with, with Ancelotti and, and Paul Clement and unfortunately passed away. He was he was at the top of his field and um, and he basically educated us, um, the lads coming in um, on how to look after yourself. So from that point on, um, you know, I, it just stuck with me. And I did, they put us through cooking lessons as well up in the restaurant. Uh, we used to do cookery lessons with the, the chefs after training and um, that was really beneficial. And yeah, I just, I just took all the information on through, through Nick and, and his advice and carried it on through my career. And 
I mean, once once you know what to eat and what times and everything, it becomes fairly simple, and it's just a habit I've continued throughout. Have you have you found yourself going to a staple meal? What your go to favourite meal is? Oh, I, yeah, yeah, I love um, I love steaks. Like I love steaks, and I, and and I had never had pesto before in my life before I'd gone to Cobham. And the restaurant, honestly, mate, the food was was incredible. And you know, when I pop down now, now now and then the training ground, the food's just unbelievable. But you have like top top chefs uh, working in 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 the training ground, um, chefs that have had like their own restaurants in the centre of London and, and everything. Um, and I and some of the foods I had never seen before in my life. Uh, before I'd gone down there, and pesto was was one of those things I used to. Um, I used to have pesto pasta every single day with a steak, uh, and I still do now. Just love this stuff. I, I, I think it's always it's quite an eye opener when you discover a, a food or a flavour that you've yeah. never had before, and then when you do it. I mean, for me recently, hot sauces absolutely love them, but it's like, how have <laughs> I, I never everything. tried them? I've never had them before. 2022 and i think why what have i missed for so many years they're on your scrambled eggs and everything aren't they? everything honestly oh <laughs> c- combine them with tomato sauce barbecue sauce it's <laughs> yeah it's if it's if it makes my mouth on fire it's like oh this is a good sauce it's a good sauce <laughs> um yeah right so when that day comes when you decide to to hang up the boots how would you like your legacy to be seen on the field Um, just an honest, hard-working player. Uh, you know, I was never, I never had great ability, um, or top technical ability. Uh, I was always someone that just relied on on character and 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 grit and determination. And I had a spell at uh, Grimsby Town, um, in my mid twenties, and I think that that spell there probably best re- represented. Um, what I what I'm about and what I want to be known as. Um, you know, I had a, an unbelievable relationship with the fans there. You know, we got to a playoff final. Um, Supporters player of the year. Yeah, got player of the year <laughs> and in a few in a few other bits and bobs, which was brilliant. Um, and it was all because I just give it me all. You know, and and I think the fans could see that. I I, I know um, that fans just want to see players. Are particularly a group of fans like Grimsby's, um, but you know it's probably you could probably speak for fans all over the country, but they just want to see players visibly giving it their all. And um, and whilst I recognised I wasn't the most gifted player, um, I would like people to to think that every time I stepped out on the pitch, regardless of you know my performance, whether it was good, bad, or indifferent. Um, I've 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 give everything I can on the pitch and uh and yeah I always try to do that. Oh well that that that's that's the most important thing I feel, especially if you you know, it's how, how you felt as well about your career and what you achieved. I know obviously that fourteen fifteen season ended with a penalty shootout defeat to Bristol Rovers for promotion, which must have been absolutely devastating penalties and we know as Chelsea fans on this show, 2008 oh. comes to mind with penalties and this year as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was in, I was in Moscow. Oh, uh, yeah. So that was that was pretty disappointing because it was absolutely teeming down with rain as well. I know. Oh, um, we had a nightmare of a day. 
we we got there at like ten o'clock in the morning Russian time, and the kickoff was until ten o'clock Russian time on the night, mm. and it just whacked it down all day. And the Russian police wouldn't let you sit inside sort of shopping malls or anywhere like that. You they just kicked us out. So I was like a drowned rat watching GT. Yeah, put that one wide. So yeah, it was a devastating day. I know all about it. Yeah, it's that's the most politest way of doing it without any swearing. Because for me, it was just so painful to get there. It was like it made. I felt sorry for Michael Ballack because it must have felt like when he was at Leverkusen again, second, second, and then second again. Ah, oh, I mean, and, uh, no, the 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 horrible mate. His fans and his players, particularly, um, you know, the playoffs. I mean, everyone says it's it's brilliant and it's a it's a buzz when you when you win a playoff, and I can imagine because the stress and the pressure that's on those playoff games and then to to go through the whole season, 46 games, mm. then you deal with the pressure of the semi-final, which we did, and then you get to the final and it's a, and it's a penalty kick that um, then you have to start all over again. You know, it's, oh, it's horrendous, but that's why we love it, eh? Yeah, 100%. I, I mean, um, we've, I always think back to Michael Ballack's season because he scored the first penalty and then Obviously, he was a runner-up in the Euros with Germany that year, runner-up in the Premier League, the Champions League, and then obviously with Leverkusen, it was runner-up in the the Pokal and the Champions League and the league. It was like, oh, no, not all over again. Um, I'll I'll finish up with the special one. And if you do end up facing Mourinho, like you did on the training ground at Chelsea, but this time in the dugout as a head coach, (laughs) what would you say to him at that handshake? Four. What would I say to him? Uh, I, would, I would say, remember me? And he would, <laughs> he'd probably look straight through us. Um, yeah, what a guy. What a, what a presence he had. He was, um, he was so intimidating, you know, but in a good way. Mm. You know, I think players, whenever he came through the cafeteria, he'd sort of sit up straight and, um, you know, you knew he was in the room. Um, yeah, he was an absolute, he was an absolute genius. Um, and it's it's funny watching his career, you know, and, and the different clubs that he's gone to. Obviously, didn't well. They say it didn't work at United, but you look at how how much United have struggled. Mm, um, yeah, second his, places. His, his, yeah, his period actually looks like a decent one. So yeah, he's he's world class. He always will be. Yeah, I mean to be fair, when everyone there was a lot of. Uh, mocking and jokes about him when he said it was one of his greatest achievements. I mean, second, he's looking impressive, League Cup and a Europa League. I mean, I think it's and he's won another trophy at Roma. Uh, he's, yeah. he's still one of the greatest and he's still absolutely cherished, especially on this show. He's one of our favourite, if not our greatest ever managers, probably the greatest. So, yeah, he's, he's truly loved here. Uh, uh, with that, we have come to the end of a very, very special episode of At The Bridge Pod. And I, I just want to say a huge thank you to you, Carl. Uh, let our listeners know what you've got going on and, and where they can find you if they so do wish to. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm currently uh, currently playing for Gateshead. We've just gone into the into the National League. So, um, you know, if there's any listeners in the London area, I've looked at the fixture list, which isn't too kind for us, by the way, but we'll be in the London area quite a bit playing games. Um, so you know, any Chelsea fans? Obviously, I, I work for the club as well as a scout, and uh, and I absolutely love working for the club. Have a uh, Chelsea's got a special place in my heart. So any any Chelsea fans that are in and around the the London area, the walking games in particular, or 
uh, anywhere West London, feel free to come along and, and I'd be happy to have a chat before or after the game. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm really privileged to continue to work for the club and, um, and, and like I say, any anytime you, you want to give us a shout in future, feel free to do so, pal. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. Oh, tr- truly, truly appreciate that, really, we do. Um, listeners, as always, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. If you do not already follow us, just search at, at the Bridge Pod. And till next time, that will be us signing off. <laughs>